Hello and welcome to Fast Charge. I am your host Dom and this is episode 68. Almost nice. Uh, I am at my parents' house this week in sunny, not quite north London. Uh, so I want to apologise in advance if you hear the adorable pitter-patter or infuriating, incessant yapping of not one, not two, but three chihuahuas who might burst in through the door <laughs> at any time as we go through this live show. I'm sorry, they're in charge, not me. I'm just a glorified manservant while I'm here for the week. <laughs> and they care nothing for tech news. They will bark. We're just going to have to live with it. Uh, I am joined, as ever, by Toddy and Lewis, hopefully not surrounded by chihuahuas. No, one cat, but she's asleep. You might hear her snoring. That's about it. My neighbors, well, that would be delightful. My neighbor's kids are screaming in the garden. I don't know if that counts, but we've yeah. all got something going on, it seems. <laughs> Something's <laughs> happening behind the scenes. Uh, okay, this week we are obviously talking about Huawei. Uh, that is the big news in the mobile world. Huawei held its event this week, revealing Harmony OS officially. We kind of had seen it before, but Harmony OS 2.0 technically has now been unveiled uh, and shown off on a range of new products, including some new MatePad tablets. And I have one of them right here. And Toddy has the Huawei Watch 3, and there's also a Watch 3 Pro. Where's mine? Uh, so we're going to talk about the <laughs> tablets and the watches. Uh, later on and give some kind of hands-on thoughts actually using Harmony OS in its guise. First off, we're going to run through the OS. What is Harmony? Is it just Android? Is it an Android rival? Does it matter? Is it ever meaningfully going to launch in the West anyway? Hmm. Before then, little bits and pieces from the rest of the tech world. Uh, last week, we spoke at length about the OnePlus Nord CE. I fully expect us to talk at length about the OnePlus Nord CE next week when it's actually launched. Uh, but in the meantime, the whole thing's leaked anyway, so we might as well just get that out of the way. Uh, this is the kind of slightly more budget version of the already budget Nord from last year. Um, full spec list is leaked. This looks pretty legit. It has a 6.4 inch 90 hertz AMOLED screen, the exact same as last year. 30 watt charging, the same as last year, though actually the battery is a hair bigger at four and a half hundred milliamp hours, uh, four and a half thousand even. Um, <laughs> Snapdragon 750G processor, so a slight downgrade on the 765G from last year. 64 megapixel camera, so that's technically an upgrade, though the camera spec has all been shifted around and it looks like a single selfie lens rather than the dual that we had last year. And then the big thing that I think will annoy a lot of people is it looks like it has a plastic back, whereas they did make a point of having glass last year, which is part of what made the Nord feel very premium compared to everything else in its price range. Uh, with plastic, the Nord CE is probably going to be a bit more obviously budgety. But this could all be nonsense. We'll find out next week. Uh, what else have we got? Other big hardware leak, uh, the Samsung Galaxy Tab S8. Uh, just last week, they announced the S7 FE, but already we have a leak on the full S8 range. That's the next set of Samsung Galaxy tablets. Uh, the interesting thing here is there are three models. One of them is huge. <laughs> we don't know what that one's called. We're expecting this to be an S8, an S8 Plus, and then probably an S8 Ultra. We've not had an Ultra tablet before. But this looks like it might be that. Um, all three of them are 120 hertz displays. The base one is LCD, the other two are OLED. But the big one is 14.6 inches. Monster. What? Which is giant. 
I mean, even by sort of big creator-driven pro-grade tablets, that is a big tablet. Uh, the upside is it apparently has a 92% screen-to-body ratio, um, and uh, that makes it the slimmest ever tablet bezels, uh, just to annoy Huawei, which also this week <laughs> announced a tablet with the slimmest ever tablet bezels, but it's been beaten by this leaked Tab S8, maybe Ultra. Uh, we don't know when this is going to be announced. Maybe next month there was some talk of a July event for Samsung. That could be the Tab S8, so we'll see. Um, that is, we've got one more leak to talk about, and then we'll get on to actual definite news. Uh, the Snapdragon 888 Plus, um, or something we think is that. Maybe it's an 888 Pro. That name was floating around before as well. Uh, this has popped up on Geekbench. Um, results are really in line with the 888. Uh, it hasn't really blown the regular 888 out of the water. Uh, and the only thing anyone could really glean about the hardware is that it looks like the main Cortex-X1 core has been overclocked to 3 gigahertz from 2.84 gigahertz. So the big core has been overclocked a little bit, but at least from this one leaked Geekbench result, it hasn't been a massive, massive performance boost. But again, we'll see. And then also quickly on Snapdragon, you may remember last year, there was this weird leak that Asus and Qualcomm were working together on a Snapdragon branded phone. Uh, this has now popped up on a certification site. We all kind of thought this was nonsense, and this this leak came out even before the 888 was named, so when the first leak happened, everyone thought it would be the 875. Uh, so this is, that tells you how old this is. This is months ago that we heard this for the first time. Uh, now a phone has popped up um, with, it's an Asus device, but it has a Snapdragon logo on the back. It's popped up on a certification site. We're not really sure if this is a prototype, if it's legit, if it's actually gonna come out. Um, it's got an 888, unsurprisingly. It's got a 6.8-inch OLED panel. We don't know all that much more about it other than that. There are a few little specs, but nothing too exciting. But yeah, maybe that's actually coming out. Um, though I would be surprised if it was any more than sort of India or China or something. Some small regional exclusive, if it happened, would be my guess. Uh, leaks out the way. Two bits of definite, definite, definite news. One, you may have already seen this because it was all over the place when it happened. Xiaomi uh, unveiled 200 watt wired charging, 200 watts, uh, and 120 watt wireless charging. Uh, this is new record breaking charging speeds to put in some kind of more direct context. They did a demo with a 4,000 milliamp hour phone battery. Uh, the wired, the 200 watt, charged that to full in eight minutes, and wireless charging to full in 15 minutes. Would you not be no. a little bit worried about having that next to your bed, though? Incredibly <laughs> terrified. Um, I'd, I'm trying to think. I think I'm not sure I've actually tested a phone with anything faster than 66 watts no. wired. 65. Um, I know we've had one of the 100, 120 watts in, but I didn't personally use it. I don't think, unless I'm getting muddled up about which ones I've done. Um, yeah, th these are getting silly now, but it is very cool. <laughs> And with the podcast name, we kind of have to pick it up. So hooray, fast charging. Uh, no word on this being an actual phone yet. And, you know, it's going to be a while. This will be another couple of years before we see anything this fast actually on a phone you're going to buy. But it's there. The tech exists. Xiaomi has shown it off. And then finally, speaking of things you're not going to see anytime too soon, uh, AMD at Computex, uh, as well as additional, uh, revealing a sort of suite of like PC components and stuff like that, uh, Lisa Su, the CEO, just also casually dropped the another little detail of their Samsung partnership, which is the next 
flagship mobile SOC from Samsung, so basically the next flagship Exynos chipset, uh, will include AMD's RDNA 2 GPU architecture, which means it will support ray tracing and variable rate shading, which are actually like high-end PC gaming features. I mean, we knew AMD was going to work with Samsung on, uh, on, on its graphical components for the next Exynos chip. I don't think we knew that it would be debuting in a phone chip rather than a laptop chip. <laughs> I also don't think anyone was expecting them to actually drop ray tracing on a smartphone. Uh, certainly not one that would probably be, this is probably the S22 next year, I guess. We'll see this in. Um, it, lower your expectations is all I'll say. Um, yeah. it, it may offer ray tracing, but to what level and, I would be uh, cautious. Yeah. AMD's not the best at ray tracing either. Let's just say that as well. <laughs> They're a little bit behind. Yeah, this is an area AMD is improving. Get excited. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but still, this could be a game changer. Uh, obviously, Samsung wants to win people over with Exynos, uh, has historically struggled to. I think the last, the, you know, the most recent Exynos in the S21s actually kind of impressed people a little more than we're used to. Mm. So the AMD investment is a, and partnership is a big part of them turning that corner, I think. So... They will go all in on this, but what results you're actually going to get? Sometimes working with everybody, aren't they? They're just like, do you know what? Collaborate, guys. That's new. shameless. Yeah. <laughs> shameless. Um, yeah, Google, Microsoft, um, huge partnerships with loads of people. I think as, as much as anything, it's just that everybody else is very happy to have Samsung come on stage oh, yeah. and uh, stand there because after Apple, they are the big player from a hardware space, really. So no matter what segment you're in, you want to be able to say, look, Samsung's on stage with us. Samsung backs us. We're legit. Um, speaking of people that probably won't get to do that anytime soon, uh, Huawei will not have Samsung on stage for a partnership in uh, the immediate future. At least I'd be surprised to see it. Uh, they were, you know, were pretty big competitors. Huawei's kind of dropped down, but it hopes that Harmony OS is going to be what uh, turns the corner for its global fortunes. This is, as a brief recap, uh, Huawei's own in-house operating system kind of and we'll get to that um in theory this is huawei's own in-house operating system to power its whole ecosystem of devices not just phones um but that kind of grew out of when the u.s trade sanctions stopped being able to work fully with google that led to all these phones with not proper android they couldn't get the latest android versions they have limited app support it was clear that huawei only had a certain amount of time it could run on android uh, and eventually it realized it had to you know, have its own solution ready. It had already been developing Harmony for other purposes, but it kind of fast-tracked it as an Android replacement for its phones and tablets. At least that was always kind of the way the market and uh, the press and fans have seen it. Uh, Harmony 1.0 has been running for a bit on some ecosystem stuff, but they finally unveiled Harmony OS 2.0, which is the full version. This is now the, ready for the whole ecosystem. It will run on everything. It will run on smart TVs. It will run on wearables, it will run on tablets, it will run on phones, and it will link all those up to all sorts of other IoT devices. Uh, the thing about it is, it's basically Android on a tablet or a phone, what? and it's basically LightOS on a wearable or another device. Is that fair, Toddy? You're kind of uh, grimacing at me. I, I kind of, well, no, no, absolutely. I'm more just grimacing because I feel like whenever Huawei hears that, they go like, no, no, it's not. But it kind of seems to be that it is. Yeah. Um, and, and that's, yeah. I think, you know, that's maybe an unfair way of putting it. Because what it is, is they have taken this existing software as the base they are building from. 
which makes sense. These is you know open source code that's out there in the case of Android and the Linux kernel Android is based on. They've just said, cool, we'll build from that. We are already developing that space because obviously they have their EMUI skin for Android that they ran on all their other phones and tablets. The problem they had with Android is they were going to start lagging behind. They had access to Android 10, no access to Android 11. They're not going to get Android 12. So they couldn't just keep sticking with Android as it was because they were basically going to start getting held back by Google. Now they're just taking Android as it was, like the latest version they could get, and now it's a fork. You know, they're building off their own direction. They don't really want to say that, but people have dug into the code and it absolutely is. And from using the MatePad Pro, it absolutely is. This is Android at its base. But the key thing here is now Huawei has the freedom from here to build it in all sorts of new directions. And it's no longer constrained by what Google decides to do with the Android code. Uh, the flip side of that is it no longer benefits from everything that Google puts into Android updates. So um, it will be interesting to see if they can keep pace with what Google is throwing in feature-wise. I mean, thinking the, of the days before um, Huawei got blacklisted and, and, you know, they removed Google Play and stuff, they were kind of, you know, the leaders in introducing new features to Android, uh, like the kind of swipe yeah. from the side of the screen to go back. That was, as, I mean, as far as I remember, a Huawei thing first before it then got baked into Android and everything else. So in terms of features and stuff like that, I feel confident that they will do something to pique people's interest. But whether it's enough to then, you know, uh, drag them kicking and screaming from the Google ecosystem is another story altogether. And and yeah, I mean, that's like the long and short of the whole problem they have. We can talk more about everything that Harmony does and does well, but ultimately it doesn't, the thing it doesn't do up front is it doesn't solve the Google problem. Yeah. Uh, there's still no Google on here. Um, you know, using the MatePad Pro for a week or so, there are no Google apps. There is no Play Store because it's not Android, but you still can't get Gmail or anything on there. You can get other Android apps, but you can't get anything that relies on Google stuff. And it will be the same on the watch side and on phones when we have it on phones to play around with. Um, and it just doesn't fix that problem. So the kind of thinking here, I guess, is they, they now are free to do lots of other stuff that they hope will like be enough of like a, a to offset the Google drawback, <laughs> yeah. I guess. Yeah. But I just look at it and I'm like, I don't know. I don't know what you can do I mean, to were... account for that. They were forging ahead in the presentation, the Harmony OS presentation about, you know, a huge part of the conversation was about interoperability and interconnectivity between the devices. Like they spent ages talking about this new, basically this new pairing UI for pairing devices mm. and sharing, say like music playing on your phone or your smartwatch with your sound X speakers, which if Chris were here, he would probably <laughs> shudder with disgust or, or fear. Um, but uh, yeah, th th I think they were just kind of forging ahead in the, as if they were Apple, but obviously, mm -hmm. you know, iOS is ultimately still has that walled garden effect. And this now, not really by choice, also is a sort of walled garden in its own right. Um, yeah. yeah, absolutely. And, I, I, <laughs> the funny thing there, of course, is because we see it from the perspective of, you know, I can't speak for everyone listening, but from us, I was talking with, we come at this from the perspective of, of Brits for as Westerners who watch Huawei talk about eco ecosystem and I'm like, but we don't have half of that stuff. You know, yes, you can get yeah. the Huawei headphones and the laptops um, and a speaker, but that's kind of where it dries up. And every all this other smart home stuff they're talking about with, with Harmony integration, that may well be widespread in China and easy to get hold of, you know, in the months and years going forward, but it's unlikely to be here. 
Um, the flip side of that, I wonder, is how often that's true equally for people watching Apple stuff internationally. Sure. Yeah. Uh, in terms of, uh, you know, how available, but also how attainable some of the uh, the Apple ecosystem stuff is. So we watch it and say, this is a walled garden and we don't have half the stuff. You know, we're, we're on the other side of the wall. Um, but that's probably true for a lot of people who watch Apple things anyway. But I absolutely think that is what they are going for. They're in this weird place where they're, they're taking loads of Google code uh, and then trying <laughs> to use it to become Apple. Um yeah. But that, that's the end. <laughs> they they want to be they want to be the Apple of China, not the Google of China. It's creating that kind of ecosystem space um, where yeah, you buy a Huawei thing, and every other Huawei thing you own works with it flawlessly. And so when you come to thinking, well, what laptop should I buy? Your mind immediately goes, well, I might as well buy a Huawei because I know it will let me transfer files and extend my screen with my phone and my tablet. And then I might as well buy Huawei headphones because they'll pair the moment I take them out of the packet. Mm -hmm. And I might as well use a Huawei smartwatch because all of my data will be synced across all of my devices. And all of that stuff that is the reasons you hear people always talk about why, well, I already use an iPhone, so I might as well buy the Apple Watch. And yeah. I might as well buy a MacBook because once you're in, it just makes sense to stay in. Um, and no, to my mind, no Android brand has ever managed that. No. Samsung's kind of getting close. Sony has Even always then. pretended like that's how things work. Buy an Xperia, play the PlayStation yeah. 4. Oh, wait. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not a chance. Mm. Um, yeah, there's a little bit of a Samsung. Like, you know, if you have a Galaxy phone and you open some Galaxy earbuds, they, they recognize each other. Um, but that's, that's, and then they always have like a couple specific phone features that are tied to um, like their other products. But it's always kind of niche stuff. Like, uh, what was it? You could use the, the microphone from your Galaxy Buds. Oh, yeah. Uh, for when you're recording video from one of the Galaxy flagship phones to replace, like, the phone microphone audio. Um, I mean, cool. Great. Who is going to remember that they even <laughs> have the option of doing that, you know? <laughs> uh, I must be ignorant in believing that I thought that's how it worked anyway. <laughs> like, I thought that when you had Bluetooth headphones connected, it just chose them, but... Well, shows how well I, how good I am in my job, doesn't it? <laughs> Let's move swiftly on from that. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think this is all the, the interesting thing. You know, Huawei brought up a lot of, say, logos of ecosystem partners. You know, it's showing off the Harmony OS, as I mentioned, is I've talked about it as an Android thing, but that's partly the bias I have because I've been, my experience of it so far has been on, on a tablet. Um, whereas Toddy's experience has been on a watch, so he'll come at it from a different angle. But Huawei's angle really is ecosystem, and that is both their own products, but also like smart home. They showed a lot of just integration with other smart home tech, stuff made by them, but also loads of stuff made by other companies. But the funny thing is, you know, they bring up the list of, of other manufacturers they're working with. And again, from a Western perspective, I, I think I saw Hisense that I recognized. <laughs> and I, I think that was it. You know, it was really, and I'm not saying these are small brands. Maybe they're huge brands in China and I'm just oblivious. But it's still that thing. Huawei, it was a Chinese launch for a Chinese audience. They just did a translated version for the Westerners. Um, and it still feels like Huawei is talking to a Chinese market and focused on a Chinese market. And it's hard to get really assess how compelling the pitch is in that Chinese market from outside. But it certainly isn't immediately compelling from outside because none of that ecosystem smart home stuff will work over here fundamentally. And the challenge they have is I can't see them 
winning smart home product manufacturers over anytime soon who are already having to develop for both Amazon and for Google. Even Apple struggles to get like Siri and a HomeKit integration <laughs> baked into a lot of smart home products. And if like they can't be bothered to do Apple, I'd struggle to see how they're going to bake in Harmony as their, you know, their third option after they've done Alexa and Google Assistant. I mean, in terms of interoperability, if you can find a drift action cam, you can do a me time video call through a drift action no cam. No one's ever made a me time call. I, I, yeah, I forgot about I'm me sorry. time until you mentioned that. I, that was even, about even, I mean, I'm gonna, I should talk about this later, but even the watch technically can now support me time calls which is exciting for the eight people outside of China who maybe have any idea how to access a me time call and place it with someone else who would know how to use a me time call. Um, but yeah, to your point, Dom, like the Chinese market, this is actually, that it was actually a very, very good presentation for mm. consumers in that space, like hugely empowering to know that, you know, if you're already bought into Huawei, you're going to have better interoperability between your existing products and products to come. Um, I guess the other thing we should say because you're talking about the tablet and I'm talking about the watch. Um, it was fundamentally about phones, but also kind of spills into the tablet space is the existing portfolio of devices that Harmony OS is going to be mm. rolled out on. Um, I'm glad you mentioned that. Yeah. Yeah. They've got like a hundred plus devices in the roadmap. They haven't really set any timeframes. They've basically implied that the newer the device, the sooner it'll get the update. They, they actually did. Um, you there may, were a couple they, of they did have a couple of slides where they ran through by right. by quarter, um, and essentially <laughs> phones from it. the it last was... year or so yeah. are going to be over the next few months. If you look, it's online and it's on it's on the Tech Advisor site. We've got a breakdown in our, in our big Harmony OS guide, um, but it does say like there were sort of these ones in Q two this year, uh, this year, some in Q three, some in Q four, and some in the first half of next year. But they're really aggressive in what they're going for. And say the ones they're saying they're going to do first half of 2022, and I know that is a while off, they're saying that would go way back to like um, the P9 series oh, wow. yeah. and the like the Nova 4 and Nova 5. Like these are four or five year old phones and, that is and a tablets silver lining. around the same period too. If they could they're promising Apple, to upgrade to Harmony. Yeah, if they can bring iOS like software and security patch support via Harmony rather than, you know, Google mm -hmm. GMS laden Android. That is for certain consumers a huge win. Uh, again, it's it, I have to everything has to be asterisk because too many Western yeah. users, you know, they're, they're, we're too entrenched. It's just how it is. And, and and to be fair, it's also on the Western users point, but that is the upgrade plan for users in China. Yeah, they made absolutely no promise as to when, if or when, people in the West would get that switch over. So if you have uh, a Huawei phone and you're kind of thinking, oh, I can throw Harmony on that and see what it's like, maybe. Uh, <laughs> we don't know. We don't know when you'll officially be able to do that. I'm sure there will be less official ways for you to get hold of it if you're keen. But um, in terms of the official Huawei upgrade cycle, we have no idea when they're going to push that outside of China. And my question is, if, if you do get it on an older device that did originally have Google Play, will that then remove Google Play from your device? I would assume it would. Right. I must do, surely. Yeah, it's got yeah. it, doesn't it? So I, <laughs> Which in my head, do we need to make yeah. a piece warning people not to I update think, yeah. if they get offered <laughs> Harmony OS? Don't yeah. like, update if you've that... got Google Play. <laughs> yeah. Because that's, like, people might not, uh, people yeah, might exactly. not think, if, you, if, you know, oh, software update, mm. great. 
and then they lose Google Play. That and, could anger a lot of people. We need to maybe talk to Huawei about this. This is getting me worried now. <laughs> and to be <laughs> All fair, the that may be right. part of why. Yeah, that may be part of why they were only saying it yeah. in China. Because in China, your, your phone wouldn't ship with Google anyway. So, so that safe. won't cost you anything when they upgrade it. Um, they may well recognize that it won't be as cleanly seen as an upgrade for older Huawei, like pre-Google split <laughs> yeah. Huawei phones in the West. It, it might not be seen as an upgrade. Um, though anything bought, you know, if you had a Huawei phone bought after that split that doesn't have Google anyway, you would want this. Oh, really, yeah. Realistically, it's a... It's just an up, you know, it will have more up-to-date security patches. It will run a bit smoother. It, it's it's not a game-changing experience, but it will get you some new features that you don't have in that slightly awkward version of Android that they've been putting out for the last year or two. Which I think was pretty much everything after the Mate 30 series um, was when it yeah. started to trickle out of, of compatibility. They had, I think, maybe one of the Nova devices came out after that that still had Google Play. Yeah, they had a couple that snuck in that were old yeah. ones that they, like, shunted over when they weren't planning to but, but pretty much the majority um, of the 2019 lineup onwards has just been without so if you get yeah. the update on those devices and you own one then i guess go for it yeah. go for it totally. we've got a question in the um, chat um when do we think the last year's matepad pro might get the harmony os update i don't know if we've covered that in any real detail that was in um, mind oh they did say um it is on our our article lewis maybe you can pull up our harmony os guide and it sure. is in there um I think that will be either Q3 or Q4 this year. I would say Q3, again, for China. Um, yeah. So if you're outside of China, then that may not be relevant anyway. Yeah. I it's think the that the last year's MatePad Pro, it was relatively early. Yeah. Cool. There you go. And then, yeah, the non-Pro MatePads are a bit later. I think they're the Q4 ones. Yeah. Um, but yes, that was that was relatively high up their list. Uh, maybe that's a good excuse to jump to talking about the MatePads while uh, we're on it. Let's do it. Um, Can I just ask so, about the P50? We're going to talk about the P50Ts. That is a good point. We should mention that before we move before on. Before we yeah, go fully we'll into push the push a segment back now. God, we'll there we go. Sorry, sorry, That's sorry. The <laughs> Don't look at the banner at what the bottom, mess. guys. What a mess. How Everyone just shut your eyes and listen until we move on to the next bit. <laughs> if you're um, listening to the audio version, you're good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so P50. Uh, obviously, a lot of people are hoping we'd hear P50. And... Uh, in fairness to them, Huawei did keep teasing the P50 ahead of this launch event, which I think one of the really... posters for the show has a P50 yeah. teaser. <laughs> I don't know what they were thinking. I mean, we 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 were pre-briefed on on everything they were going to announce, and then so we knew there wasn't going to be real P50 news, and then they started doing these P50 teasers, and we were like, "Oh God, are, are they going to surprise us with a P50 <laughs> launch no that more. they didn't brief us on, or or is this?" It was very odd. Anyway, they ended the show with a tease of the P50, uh, a little kind of highlight reel, basically showing off the design of the camera Weird modules and <laughs> the rear of the phone, which whoa, um, we had kind of had a hint of this before because there were some leaks and renders, but it is roughly we're expecting two enormous circles on the back of the phone with I think two lenses in one circle and three lenses in the other circle mm. or something, something like that. Mm -hmm. Very odd looking camera module. And that's in a 12 month period where we've had a lot of weird looking camera modules <laughs> yeah. uh, turn up. I mean, you know, I've, I've still got the, the Mi 11 Ultra, the which is one of the weirder modules out there. And even I'm looking at the P50 like, oh, what are they doing there? I thought it was a meme. I don't hate it. I thought it was a meme. I thought, you know, because because people were talking about making bigger cameras and stuff like that. And, and they were like, yeah. this is the P50, the biggest camera sensors ever. And, and then I realized that Actually, there were cameras embedded within it, and that's the actual look. And yeah, no, unless they're just in on the joke now and they're just trying to mess with us. 
Yeah, they're trolling. Like, we don't even know when this phone is going to come out, so have something. Just the next teaser is not going to have yeah, a camera on the back. Over. Uh, I've got the quote actually. Yeah, yeah, no, no cameras at all. Um, for for reasons you're aware of, a launch date has not yet been set, but we are trying to figure out how to make this great product available to you. So the way they make it sound, that was Richard Yu from yeah. the was it Huawei Consumer Business Group. They don't know how they're going to launch the phone based on that quote, like which I can't imagine is true, but it's a bit alarming that they still don't seem to have a strategy in place. I think it must fundamentally just come down to the chipset stuff, right? Do That's you think all I'm just waiting think. for more more supply of the Kirin chips or no, well the problem they have is they it's all I, I'm not even sure what they're allowed to allowed to make and able to do anymore. Because <laughs> yeah. my my sense of it, my understanding was they were basically rattling through the last Kirin chips they had, but they couldn't get any more of them. And so every device they put a Kirin in now is just dwindling their supply. Um, they are allowed to buy chips from Qualcomm, but only 4G ones. Yeah. Um, they're not allowed to put a 5G oh, Qualcomm damn. chip in anything, which is why two of the new MatePads do have Snapdragons, but 4G ones. So they could put in 4G Snapdragon chips, but that basically caps them at the 870 is the latest and most powerful one they can have because that has a discrete 5G modem, whereas the 888 has an integrated 5G modem. So they could get an 870 without the modem, but the 888 has a modem whether they like it or not, so they're not allowed it. Um, and I don't think they can build their own 5G Kirins anymore um, Just or get them for anyone else. Updating that 888 Pro leak you mentioned in the news segment, uh, I did also see another little tidbit, which is that there's also talk of them spinning off additional SKUs. So there's the 888 that we currently have, the Pro, the Plus might be a thing. Also a uh, 888 4G and an 888 Wi-Fi, which if that's true, could also be two mm. chips with better performance that Huawei could leverage on. And that would be like interesting. And, and it's worth noting, like on this point, you know, they, they we were talking about them updating old phones with Harmony. They also said they were re-releasing some recent phones like the Mate X2, and I can't remember, a couple other like recent handsets with Harmony sort of baked in, you know, pre-installed, but they were only 4G models again because they just couldn't get the 5G. So that's fundamentally what I think it must come down to. I think mm. they, this is all speculation on my part if that wasn't abundantly clear, but <laughs> I think they can't figure out how to get enough 5G chips that are powerful enough to do it, but they feel like they can't put out a 4G flagship. And they're trying to figure out whether they do that and whether they just say it's 4G, but it's super powerful and it's got Wi-Fi 6, which was basically the pitch for these re-release ones. They yeah. made a point of being like, it's got Wi-Fi 6. Like, it's cool. You don't need 5G. Um, but can they really do that with the P50 line? It's a shame because they would like, they would get slammed by the media. They would just because of the specs race. But at the same time, yeah. in real world use, we all know that that would probably be a perfectly acceptable, powerful, enjoyable yeah. device to use. The problem is, once yeah. you're missing 5G and you're missing Google, yeah. it's like, oh, you know. And it's still like £100 pounds or whatever. Yeah, exactly. You know. For a cheap phone, maybe, but high-end and you don't get 5G or Google services, that's a really hard sell outside of China, fundamentally. Um, we have one question again in the chat uh, from the same, the same person away. Uh, if Huawei didn't get banned, do you think they could have competed with Apple's M1 chips? Um I've got to admit, I do not know enough about the structure of the chip industry and how that works. Um, in theory, yes, because fundamentally anyone using ARM 
um, material that's kind of building from the same base. You know, all the ARM chips are using the same set of ARM, ARM components, all the same cores. It's just kind of what you do to combine them and, and how you make that run with your hardware. Um, and we've always said part of what makes Apple stuff sing is that they have complete software control. So they get to design their software and the hardware in tandem. And um, the funny thing is you say, if Huawei didn't get banned, well, if they hadn't got banned, they probably wouldn't have bothered with Harmony in the way it is right now. Yeah. But it's actually having Harmony in the way it is right now that might let them be able to do the Apple thing because they can now develop software and hardware together, except now they can't do the hardware side. So like, <laughs> if, they can't win, bless them. Because I don't think they, they, they can't use, but they also couldn't develop their own ARM-based chips because ARM has American ties in a way that wouldn't... Well, that was it. I think ARM was one of the last ones where they were still working with ARM for a while and then someone... Because ARM are British originally. Yes. Um, yes. But eventually someone in the US, you know, high up kind of clocked, well, hang on, no. ARM's got like enough of a US like wing to it or whatever. Yeah. There's enough US money tied up in it that we're going to yeah. bring the hammer down on ARM, uh, even though they were technically a British company, so they were kind of a loophole, but yeah. So for them to compete now, they would actually literally have to design their own chip architecture at a base level before they could even yes. start about, yeah, that's, yeah. And, uh, and I think I, to be <laughs> fair, I think I saw something a while ago and I really am just drawing from vague bits of memory that Huawei was building its own chips and was basically building that side of the business up and realizing that was what it had to do now. Um, but this was from a base of them doing very, very low level, like, chips, you know, the kind of things that go in simple IoT products. And, and they were, you know, it was sort of saying that they were still on like nine nanometer or, or something. You know, it was a kind of Huawei <laughs> is working on chips, but it is just nowhere near yeah. building a flagship phone chip. And that will take them years to build that side of it up. Mm -hmm. um, and I'd be hesitant to, I'm not sure if they're going to do that because we had uh, their, their founder the other day was saying that the company, and it is the founder, not the current CEO. So to be clear on how the power he has or it doesn't have but he was saying that the company should pivot to software you know in response to the sanctions and just kind of be a software player and you know you kind of wonder if they'll be considering that so it's it's a long it's a long hill for them to climb if they want to start doing their own silicon if they're running in out a of real chips, way they could go to intel because intel is the only other kind of big chip maker that isn't based on arm and way back in i can't remember what year now we're talking about but you know i think it was the razor i motorola razor i was like the first intel based android phone it was bad but the, intel silicon has run on android and on mobile before it could that again. doesn't help them though because intel doesn't do 5g in, oh yeah and intel has too Which much american involvement have. as well i guess as well uh, yeah a intel intel's american enough that i'm Pretty sure that wouldn't work anyway. And yeah, Intel doesn't have 5G. Intel uses MediaTek for its 5G modems um, uh, broadly. And they're not, the MediaTek is, is also, you know, a persona non grata for them. Um, so yeah, I, I honestly do not know uh, how they get around that. And I can only assume this is basically the wrangling they're trying to figure out with the P50. Mm -hmm. And my best guess is we see a 4G P50. Um, and maybe it's something like they have just about enough 5G Kirin chips around that the <laughs> Pro Plus is a 5G Kirin phone, um, but the others are 4G Snapdragons or something like that. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, you're, bit of you're, a mess. You're saying the MatePads top out at 4G already? Is 
that right? Yes, the mate pads are 4G. So uh, mate pads, there are three mate pads. And finally, Lewis is a little banner catch up. Um, <laughs> Sorry, Lewis. Let's do it. There we go. <laughs> there are three mate pads, uh, one mate pad and two mate pad pros. Um, they all use different chipsets. Um, but yeah, they are all either Wi-Fi or Wi-Fi and 4G. Um, the top spec is the 12.6 inch Pro, which I have here. Um, this one uses the Kirin 9000E. And it does have an LTE version, but it is just a 4G LTE. Uh, the last year's the one had, um, other two... Hmm? So last year's one had 5G, so that's... Yeah. <laughs> yes, well, so the interesting thing is then last year's, the other two, the 10.8-inch Pro is last year's Pro. Ah. Um, and I was a bit confused by this when they briefed me, and then it kind of became clear afterwards during the event. They just re-released last year's 10.8-inch Pro um, but with the Snapdragon 870 thrown in as the chip, right, okay. uh, with Harmony OS as a software, and there's no longer the 5G version. In fact, I think on that one, there's no LTE at all. I think it's just Wi-Fi versions. But I, So that was the one I wrote about in the rumors in the lead up to the Harmony OS launch, where it was like the name implied it was last year, yes. but with Harmony OS and this Snapdragon. Okay, interesting. So it's that it's all a little thing. messy and odd, the way it's uh, come <laughs> yeah, out. Not hard. Um, and then there's an 11-inch mate pad, which is not pro, but it is new. Um, that one uses a Snapdragon 865. The weird thing about the lineup now is that actually that one feels more impressive than the 10.8-inch updated pro. And sure. I don't really understand why you would buy that, because they're almost the same size slightly thicker bezels on the non-pro one it's got an 86 percent screen to body ratio rather than a 90 percent screen to body ratio rubbish um good luck telling the difference um <laughs> but it has the benefit that uh, both the the new both new ones so the 12.6 inch and the 11 inch mate pad have no punch hole camera so the camera is in the bezel here nice. Um, even though they've kept the bezels very slim, which is impressive. Whereas again, the 10.8 inch one from last year still has the punch hole camera in the corner. Yes, um, and then the weirdest thing about it all, in terms of the way the lineup is structured, is the two pro models are 60 hertz, and the non-pro has a 120 hertz panel. What? <laughs> what? I know. I really do not understand how that happened. And it's the it's, big, it's probably the big knock against the, the 12.6 June Pro, which is lovely hardware otherwise. But for a pro grade thing in that space now, you look and say, why on earth is it 60 hertz? What? Is it OLED LCD? Are the pros AMOLED? Yes, the... yes. So the, the uh, top right. tier pro is OLED, both of the other two are LCD. Oh, okay. Um, so that is one other difference. 100%. But yeah, I think a lot of people will go and be like, well, the regular mate pad will be cheaper. It's uh, high refresh rate. It's got broadly the same design. Um, all three are compatible with the new updated M pencil stylus. Not radical updates to it, but it's there. It's shiny. It's new. All nice. three of them support that. All three of them support the new magnetic keyboard case. So all three of them run Harmony. So I'm like, I, I don't know. It's not very clear. The kind of the differences you're getting for the pro ones are sort of like, oh, it's got more speakers. You know, the, the speakers are a bit better. Um, and I don't know, it's probably a little bit thinner and, and lighter for what you're getting. There's not a lot to it, you know. The model you got, 
you remarked when you first saw it about how nice it was in terms of hardware mm-hmm. and industrial design. So like, yeah, can you speak to that in terms of what it was it is that lovely. was wowing you so much? Just that it's yeah. thin or what? To be fair, it is, it is beautiful. It's, um, that is, that is it. Um, it is very thin. It is 6.7 millimeters. I want to say something that's like that. Impressive. It's a very slim piece of hardware. Um, the one that's coming out in the West is this just matte gray. So it's kind of plain, but it is, you know, got that kind of premium feel. There's also a silver and then a green leather one, which sounds awful. Um, but I don't know. Maybe it's, maybe it's okay. Um, but yeah, this just feels very polished. It feels very premium. It's 600 odd grams, which for a tablet this size is again, very impressive. So it yeah, feels light for what it is. Um, and bezel's very slim, but still enough for you to hold. That's the thing with tablets. It's not like a phone. You don't actually want it to be all screen because you do need to yeah. hold the edges of the screen. Yeah. Um, so I think they've struck a nice balance here and it makes a lot of sense to just accept there will be a bezel, put the webcam in there uh, and just live with it. Um, there's a nice camera setup, but it's kind of pointless because it's a tablet. I, you know, you don't <laughs> need it. But there's, uh, it's a triple camera, but one of them is a depth sensor, so it's actually two cameras, but they're fine. A regular and an ultra wide, they're pretty decent. I can't wait to um, take it on a night out and hold it above the crowd <laughs> in a night. Everyone pose. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but Lewis, I mean, I remember you. You liked last year's ten point yeah. eight inch yeah. one. I think you had the same sense of me, Broly, which is beautifully designed hardware. Yeah really impressive it's the same thing as all their phones it's great it's just that's that you know software yeah that, is, that, is, that was literally the line like the hardware was great for the price um you know it kind of compared obviously it wasn't the same size as the ipad pro but in many ways it, it competed with the ipad pro in terms of hardware uh you know the, the the keyboard was nice the pen worked well i generally get yeah, the display was really nice i just generally had no complaints it's literally just you know it, it's it's a pro tablet without pro apps even if you can get Android mm-hmm. apps on it, they're not going to be the very top tier Android apps because a lot of them rely on Google Play services. So mm-hmm. I don't really know who it's for. The only added value would be if you had a Huawei laptop specifically. Is that right? There's like interoperability yeah. that they've added in for this generation of yes. iPads. And th- right? this stuff is, is impressive. Annoyingly, I haven't been able to test it. Um, sure. This does tie in actually to another um, comment we had, which is someone saying that they're surprised that Huawei is still allowed to use Windows on their laptops, even mm. though Microsoft is American. Um, and yes, Microsoft got a special exemption. I have never understood how, why, <laughs> why no one else can get it, what the deal is. Um, I, again, guessing because it's there's probably, you know, safe that it's not going to be on anything 5G. But other than that, I don't really understand um, what the deal is there. Um, but yes, this, this this will work nicely with the Huawei Windows laptops. Um, they've already had this kind of integration before. We've spoken about with the phones and stuff. You could tap the kind of NFC sensor together and bring some of your screen up on the laptop screen. Um, they've taken this further now, so you can do things like screen mirroring. Um, and that can support the stylus, which is the coolest thing. So say if you are using a Windows image editing app, you could mirror that screen to the tablet and then use the stylus as a drawing implement on that Windows app on the tablet screen. Um, You can also screen mirror the other way, tablet screen to the Windows laptop and also screen extend. So you can set up your tablet as a second monitor um, wirelessly. All that is very cool. Uh, And also actually really interesting is drag and drop file transfer stuff. So you can drag a file from one to the other, but like into an app. So you could send a file from the tablet 
into the Word document you're working on. Like you're not just moving that file to the laptop. Oh. You can drag oh. it straight into Word mm, cool. um, and stuff like that. This is what they've shown off on stage. And I have not tested any of this um, because while it's baked into Harmony, the Windows software they have also needs to be on the latest version. And then I'm like, as we're here, I'm on the MateBook X Pro 2021, like the latest MateBook you can buy, the top spec one. But my like PC manager app on there is at version 11.0.3, and it needs to be version 11.1 that old to unlock that functionality. <laughs> and they haven't pushed it out to the public yet, so I can't get it. So I'm kind of hoping that turns up in the next week or two and I can play around with it. Mm. But for now, I, I just am going by their word on, on how that stuff will work. Um, that's an edge case, but, but if, if it, it works, looks very cool, yeah, awesome, so phenomenal. And again, this is the kind of stuff where we were talking about Apple earlier, but I've always said on this laptop stuff, I find it fascinating that Huawei has been far better than anyone, including Apple, at making phones, tablets, and laptops work well together. Mm-hmm. And that is astounding because they're doing it within Windows <laughs> rather than running their own OS. Yeah. You know, and there's no talk of them doing a harmony for for computers, and I, I don't think they'll bother. It sounds like a hell of a lot of work, especially since they can use Windows right now. Um, but it's it's mad that Apple hasn't been able to do better at that on its side, given it completely controls macOS. Whereas Huawei, like not even able to work with Microsoft on doing it, presumably, um, has still managed to in the last year or two absolutely trounce Apple on Android to laptop collaboration. Yeah. You just see to the idea because of the fact that there's this weird kind of caveat to their ban with Microsoft. A Huawei phone is going to be the return of Windows Mobile <laughs> or Windows Phone. Sorry, I should say. <laughs> Wouldn't that be beautiful? Like the kind of backwards engineer Windows Phone into Huawei hardware because that's okay apparently somehow. Oh man! Yeah, crazy future That'd that would be. A treat. <laughs> <laughs> um. Might as well talk about Harmony itself on the tablet experience. Yeah. Is it different um, much from which, the previous MatePad experience that Lewis tried? Does it seem to be? Or? Not hugely. It's worth caveating. Again, there's just some stuff I haven't been able to try. There's some little bits of Harmony that just don't seem to be in my version um, because this is all pre-release software and this is just kind of how it is. So they showed off a thing where you can slide up on app icons and they become little mini widgets. That just isn't on my version. I can't do that. Um, hopefully it'll it'll turn up at some point. Um, I think the biggest thing is kind of it runs like Android while looking a bit like Mac uh, iPad OS. So if I go in landscape, you'll see like immediately there's, there's this app dock along the bottom, <laughs> which is obviously it's the Mac OS dock, which became the iPad OS dock. And now here it is on, on Harmony. But you know what? It's great. So <laughs> fine. I don't care. They stole it, but it's great. It absolutely makes sense on a tablet. And it's not there on what they showed of Harmony running on phones. Um, But it's one of those things where if this is what we get is that they can actually treat tablets properly, which, let's be honest, Google has never done. They have been neglected in Android for years. And if Harmony means they can suddenly start making the tablet OS work better for tablets, and they talked about lots of stuff about how it's all optimized around better landscape mode use, um, when you go into lots of settings menus and things, a lot of the key settings you want are now all along the left-hand side of the screen so that you can get to start quickly with the hand holding it rather than having to reach into the center of the display to access like key functionality. So they've thought about things like that. It's got the iOS thing of uh, 
swipe from one side of the screen for notifications and the other side for control center. They actually call um, it control I know we've seen that on some Android skins as well. <laughs> but um, So all of this feels, you know, it, it's it's this weird thing where it's, it is Android and, you know, the basis is Android. But they built in lots of the best bits of iPadOS, which, you know, is shameless, but equally, hey, it's good. So if you're going to steal, steal from the best. It works. And yeah. yeah, you know, iPadOS is the best. Um, and so it feels great. It feels kind of like a, a tablet with Android functionality and iPad sort of accessibility, which is ideal for me. Um, from an app perspective, I've gotten most things. If you haven't, you know, had to use a Huawei in the last few years, and the petal search tool is now pretty exceptional and you can pull up almost anything from Android. So Netflix, Disney plus Instagram, Twitter, I've had all of them, you know, wow. I've been like downloading Disney plus shows and watching them on the screen here and everything like that. Absolutely fine. Um, so at that point Lewis made about not getting the top tier productivity apps. Like I haven't done my full review of this yet, so I haven't actually tried to dive in and, and get hold of Photoshop and stuff on here, but you might be able to. Yeah. Because if it doesn't use the Google server, basically it's if that app uses GMS, um, say for authentication or data syncing, which some apps do. Uh, I use um, Todoist normally. Todoist doesn't work on, on Harmony or on Huawei's Android because it uses Google in some cool way that just means it breaks. That was the same with um, Netflix for the longest time as well because I could never get Netflix mm, to work. Yes. Um, and it seems like Netflix that. is an interesting one because it, it, that was the case, but now Netflix works. And not that you get it on... A tablet per se but uber as well relied on google maps specifically yeah. on android i f cannot say with absolute certainty but i'm pretty sure i made uber work on the matex 2 interesting when i was using that interesting okay cool so um, is that coming I, from their so side from the developer's also. side i assume what they're doing is, is basically Huawei persuading people to just not be so reliant on gms and kind of say look if you just find another way of running this you get access to all this you know extra user base yeah. Yeah. Um, without changing anything for the end user experience on other platforms. Um, so the ones, the ones you obviously will never get are the Google apps. You know, There will never be Gmail or Google Maps or whatever unless the political situation changes. But you know, Huawei is very keen to trumpet how much better it's getting from the other side, You know, from other apps. And it is getting better. Um, app Gallery is rubbish. It's still rubbish. Mm -hmm. I think it will always be rubbish. The stuff in App Gallery is very limited. Well, Petal Search, as long as you don't get too weirded out by installing an APK, and Petal Search makes it very easy to do that. It really feels like using an app store. Um, if you don't mind doing that, it's very close to the full experience now. I think what sounds like it's changed, my issue was when I last wrote about Petal Search and, and tested it out, I think on the, even though I had the place or on the device I was using, I was testing out Petal Search specifically because it was just brand new. And at the mm. time I could get to Netflix, but it was like, through these two weird app stores and the developer wasn't Netflix. It was some weird name and it just felt too sketchy. Yeah, right. So I was like, Red I'm just flag. not going to download it because it seems not okay. But you're saying now this All, is more yeah. legit. They've kind of legitimized themselves. What, what you see now is basically you go on Petal Search, you type Netflix, you'll see a load of results come up, but the top one is Netflix. And it will just say Netflix, Ooh. like APK. Well done. You hit one button, which is download. It starts downloading. When, you, when it downloads, you open it. It then gives you a you know little confirmation. Are you sure you want to install this um, this file? You hit yes. It does a little virus scan and then it installs it. Wow, I and mean, that's it. It's, it's nice. as seamless as anything else. What I don't know and I you know can't need to dig into before I review this properly is kind of um, what update experience you're going to get from those 
those apps yeah. and things like that. You know, I think you've got a little bit less security there in the sense that there's no guarantee these will keep working forever and things like that. Whereas at least when you're within the Play Store, you kind of have that backing of Google of like, Google will make sure this keeps running. Um, that maybe doesn't exist here, but... There was a part of Android 11 that they're kind of fixing in Android 12, uh, the Google version of, of these Android builds, I should specify, where apps downloaded from stores other than the Play Store couldn't automatically update. And I wonder, mm. in transforming Android to Harmony OS, whether that that behavior is already fixed or whether Huawei would need to fix that to allow for all these different apps from different sources mm. to auto-update. That'd be interesting to see if they've mm. already got that working or if they're going to fix that in a future update. Yeah, that's the yeah the, the basically the main bit, I'm unsure of. The problem is I've tested a few Huawei phones, but I never stay on them for more than a week because yeah. I'm just playing around with them. Um, so this one, I will need to dig into what the current situation is on app updates. Um, we need to move on and talk about the Watch 3 before we wrap up. I just want to, uh, one final thing from the comments uh, from OS again. Uh, is it worth upgrading to this year's model if I had last year's? Uh, it basically comes down to two things. It, it, if you have last year's 10.8 inch Pro, then no. Um, in that you don't, you don't need to update to the new 10.8 inch. It's fundamentally the same. The chipset's changed, but you've lost the 4G option. If it's Harmony that's appealing to you, they are pushing Harmony out. If you're not in China, I don't know if you'll officially get the Harmony upgrade, but I'm sure there are ways for you to get hold of it yeah. if you really want it. Um, and I wouldn't go buying a new tablet just for Harmony right now. Mm. Um, on the other hand, if you want the bigger screen, you know, this is a 12.6 inch tablet versus 10.8. If you want the bigger display, uh, if you want the jump to OLED, then sure, this is, you know, uh, this is pretty impressive. And if you like last year's MatePad Pro, you'll probably like this one. And if a bigger screen sounds worth it to you, great. But that's why you would make that jump is just kind of thinking, I want that larger size model. I want the support of the new M pencil, stuff like that. Um, little things I would generally say, if you've got last year's, you're probably fine. Um, the other note on that is we don't have pricing. There's Chinese pricing, but we don't yet have Western pricing. So I don't have any European or British pricing for the new MatePads. They are getting a global release. I've been told that. I just don't know how much they're going to cost. Um, but I think last year's MatePad Pro was around 500, yeah. something in that region. Yeah. So I would expect basically the same again, the 10.8 one to be around there, the 11 inch regular MatePad to be maybe 400, the 12.6 inch to be six, 700. I don't know, but uh, we haven't been told. Cool. Uh, that is enough of the MatePads. So that's the Android kind of side of Harmony OS. Uh, Toddy has been testing the Huawei Watch 3, which is the wearable side. Huawei already had its own wearable OS, uh, Light OS, unless I'm getting myself milled yeah, up. No, that's correct. So I'm very curious to know, has anything changed here? Yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> there, was a, there was this, this tweet, I think Chris shared with us earlier, mentioning the fact that, you know, those devices like the MatePad are still running on Android or Linux-based kernels. This is still running on a light OS-based kernel, I understand. Um, mm -hmm. The user experience has definitely come along from light OS as it appears on, say, the GT2 series that has been around since 2019. What they've done is, in the same way that the MatePad has this decidedly Apple-style dock, they've just cribbed from Wear OS and Watch OS and... <laughs> Arguably, the combination is good because it kind of works and it's familiar as well if you're coming from either of those platforms. Um, the most obvious one, uh, both 
physically, there's a, a, a twisty crown on the side now, which there has never been on a Huawei watch before. They've always just had buttons and touchscreen. Yeah. So, and this behaves much like the Apple Watch's crown. So you can do rotational input and you can press it as well and you can long press it and those do different things. Um, if you press it though, you get this apps grid. Wear OS, uh, you can't really see in the, yeah, there you go. Wear OS typically oh, yeah. is um, either a list of apps that you have to swipe up and down. Um, whereas here, it is a full-on grid, and if you twizzle the crown, you zoom in and out, just like on WatchOS. Mm, that so sounds it's, very it's familiar. Decidedly familiar <laughs> um, in that regard. Uh, and then beyond that, the interface um, feels like Wear OS, down to the point of you swipe uh, down for quick settings, and you swipe up for notifications. You swipe right for tiles, and they are actually called tiles in on the Huawei Watch 3, which is the same name they use on Wear OS. And these are basically widgets that show you your heart rate or the weather without having to open an app. That's the same. They're just called tiles. They're not even pretending like it's it's something else. Um, so mm. that interaction is all the same. And even the where the Google Assistant would be a swipe right from uh, swipe right from the main watch face is now the Celia Assistant screen. Even right down to having the Google microphone at the top. There's the Celia bubble, which looks ironically like the Siri bubble at the top. <laughs> so. It's just, like I said, it is a perfect blend of the two in terms of the user experience. So if you use either, especially Wear OS overall, the experience is very familiar. The caveat to that... The funny thing I just want to say on, on, on this sure. note while we're talking about it again, is I've actually always said this about EMUI, on the phones at least. Um, and it's kind of interesting that they're just still going in that way. And that I had a girlfriend a few years ago who switched from um an iphone to an honor phone mm. and at the time i was using a OnePlus, and i was always like oh, look this OnePlus. this is the perfect android software experience she hated my OnePlus, could not make really? sense of it at all i put her gave her an honor phone and she was like oh yeah cool this this is fine so switching from ios emui made sense to her in a way that stock android and oxygen did not well i mean i can see the value in cribbing if you are trying to attract you know, other customers from other products because, you know, that familiarity translates. And this does work with iOS and Android, I should say. I think it's Android, mm. iOS 6 and Android 9 and up, it's compatible with. So yeah, you got plenty of, of kind of a customer base that could use this watch that don't use a Huawei phone and you can still download the Huawei health app or whatever the apps required to get pretty much all the functionality out of this. Yeah. Um, in terms of the hardware, um, the if you remember what the Huawei Watch GT2 42, the smaller Huawei Watch GT2, it looks just like a slightly chunkier version of that, um, plus the digital crown. So it's, it's kind of pillowed glass front. It looks really nice. The hardware feels very responsive. Um, they haven't given it a name, but the, the silicon inside is probably one of the biggest improvements for the user experience on their watches because they've always been a little bit chuggy and laggy um and that's partly because they've been designed to be lightweight light os to last a long time um this has kind of gone more the route of the apple watch and the galaxy watch samsung galaxy watch in that they've gone for a smooth responsive user experience a rich user experience and with that they've got more powerful silicon um and that's great i think that's what the line has needed for a while to be seen as a more competitive watch it does mean battery life takes a hit from like I quoted 14 days down to three on the Watch 3 and five on the Pro model. Um, and that is one of the fundamental differences between the two beyond prices that the Pro just has a bigger battery. Uh, but I, I think that's okay. And if you switch on the ultra, they call it like ultra long battery mode, which is a terrible 
name for a power saver. Um, it then goes back to a quoted 14 days on the Watch 3 and 21 days, I think mm. it is, on the on the Pro, which is basically because the user experience then looks just like LightOS did before this move to Harmony OS. <laughs> it has a color uh-huh. UI still, and it, it still does heart rate yeah. and get notifications, but it just behaves. It, it starts to chug a bit. There's like dropped frames. It just becomes a GT watch from last year or the year before um so yeah there's not a it's not a learning curve to jump to this from any of those platforms really because there's so much that it pulls from them already um the harbor is familiar as well if you've used any of huawei's recent watches um but the whole package i think is actually quite nice it's a nice watch to use it's a bit big and heavy i think for the style they've gone for if it was a little bit hardier like the pro models like a little bit more kind of robust um, this one, I feel like it's so big and heavy, but it has that rounded front that I'm just going to catch it on stuff. And I'm a bit worried about that. Mm. Uh, but I think it's actually a really good um, uh, move for them to make this watch a little bit more powerful and a little bit more responsive and a little bit more premium from a user experience perspective. Um, I guess I should also add that it runs App Gallery. So you can actually download watch apps straight onto the watch from app gallery again the app selection is the app selection that is app gallery so it's not going to be amazing but that functionality is another thing that's come straight out of Wear OS in terms of how it's implemented on this um yeah but it is nice to do it and there's an eSIM as well and that's regardless of the model you buy you don't have to buy the pro whereas you know other watches you buy the wi-fi or the cellular this comes with an eSIM so if you're in a market where that's supported you can actually get a cellular watch and that's just part of the price out the gate the the software side is interesting because that has been part of the Harmony OS pitch to devs is that if you build an app for phones, it's supposedly very, very easy to make it watch. I don't understand compact. how that's going to work because of the fact they're all actually based on underlying kernels. I think <laughs> saying it is one thing, it being true is another. Uh-huh. And I would it would be great to interview a developer who is trying to develop for Harmony OS and get their yeah. experience of how easy it is to translate their app across products <clears throat> because I have a feeling it's harder than Huawei's making it out to be. Mm-hmm. I think it would be even harder trying to work around the NDA that stops them telling you anything <laughs> at all. Also about that. that. <laughs> yeah, also that too. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, positive um, overall, I'd say. The watch is nice. Um, I no. uh, And, you know, like the laptops, it's a product that has much greater appeal outside of China compared to the phones and tablets that are limited because it works with Android and iOS. Exactly. And, you know, you don't need Gmail on your watch per se, you know, or Google. And it'll still like give you notifications that you maybe even will be able to action. Exactly, yeah. You'll still get all the notifications and you can still access a lot of the same stuff. I think, you know, we're always used to having a slightly compromised watch versions of things anyway. So if it's the non-official Google watch compromised version of an app. I don't really think that's gonna, uh, you know, I don't think people are gonna hold that against it too much. No. We're all very used for better or worse to smartwatch app ecosystems yeah. that kind of limit you. Yeah. Um, the The question here for them really is in, and like is looking further to the future is in Android they're up against a kind of known uh, alternative in the Android has been the same for a long time and just iterating and improving. And, you know, we expect 12 to just be another iteration from what we've seen of it so far. Um, but obviously 
Google has announced potentially big changes to Wear and Samsung are coming in to kind of fix it and Google's got Fitbit or not that ecosystem to build in and it's going to bring Fitbit into the Google stuff. So there is this kind of worry now that this is one of the pillars where you're like, well, you know, if you want to buy Huawei products in the West, actually the watches are one of the good ones. The watches, the laptops and the audio stuff are basically the ones where they're still worth buying. But um, if Google's about to fix its watch side, uh, that may change. It may be that Google starts coming up with something on Wear that actually is more compelling and makes the Huawei watches look less compelling. Yeah, I, by contrast, I guess my, we don't know. Yet. Yeah, my th- I don't want to put too much faith in Google. <laughs> yeah, they, they they don't always have the best track record with some of their their developments. Uh, I'd say this is the most competitive watch relative to what Samsung and Apple have on the market. Uh, it's most like them as well because of that move away from having better battery life but weaker performance out the gate. Um, now you yeah. have the option, which is nice, you know, in terms of how you wear it. Um, but yeah, I, I would be intrigued to see how Huawei markets this and how they handle yeah. Harmony OS as a platform on wearables relative to the competition. So one difference here relative to the mate pads is we actually do have pricing and a release yeah. date uh, for Europe and the UK, right? Um, I believe it is in the UK. I can't speak to other markets off the top of my head. Um, mm-hmm. In markets including the UK, pre-orders run from 2nd of June, i.e. yesterday when they announced the product, to the 17th mm-hmm. of June, um, going on sale on the 18th. And then the Pro model is on pre-order now as well, but arrives 10 days later 27th of june um it's available from uh i believe that's right and you can put a deposit down in certain markets including the uk and get free pair of freebuds pro which were the ones they launched last year i think it was um but they are decent headphones and then pricing wise it's the most expensive starting price we've ever seen and that depends on the model so not just whether you get pro or the standard um, but also the materials so this is technically the active which is a fluoro rubber strap and a black stainless steel body um that's 350 pounds 34999 pounds um so you can kind of extrapolate from that um so it is definitely apple watch territory it's in the same price range mm. um and samsung watch for that matter uh the pro starts at 500 499 for that you get um titanium instead of aluminium you get uh, a bigger battery that gives you a couple more days of regular use or as i said a week of extra low power use and you have this it's the first watch with dual gps functionality so you get more accurate gps it's something they introduced on the kirin 980 back with like the mate 20 series it's just a gps l1 and l5 just two different bands of gps it just means better accuracy with gps i've never had an issue with the gps on any of huawei's previous watches which have been i guess single channel so it just means better, fine, but I don't know if I'd pay an extra £150 sure. for that. No. I guess it depends. It, it, it's probably putting it up into that space where you maybe trying to win over some of those sort of obsessive runners and things who want the like, absolute accuracy in, the, in their tracking. And I know those people are out there. I, I don't understand them. Yeah. I'm not one of them, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, they are there and they buy these things. Yeah, so if, I get if it. my watch tells me I've run further than I have, that's a good thing in my mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, interesting. There's, there's obviously all the health and fitness stuff I haven't really talked about. As before with their previous watches, over 100 sport modes, various automatic workout detection, all that stuff. Swim proof to five atmospheres. Uh, it does something that only the Fitbit Sense does right now on the mainstream market, which is having constant skin temperature monitoring. I don't understand why that's valuable, but fitness people might. 
Um, that's something that the Apple Watch doesn't have and the Galaxy Watch doesn't have. Um, and it does stress and sleep and constant heart rate and blood oxygen. And it does all these things. So the price seems kind of justified relative to the feature set and what other, mm. you know, other devices around the same price offer. Um, it's just whether you need all that. I mean, I don't think I do, but some someone might. Cool. All right. Thank you. Uh, I think that will probably cover us for today. So thank you everyone for watching and listening. Uh, we will be reviewing the MatePad Pro and the Watch 3 in full. So if you want to find out our final thoughts after a bit more testing and kind of checking out the bits we haven't been sure of today, then make sure to keep an eye on techadvisor.com where those reviews will be going live sometime in the next week or two once we're happy that we know the shape of those things. Uh, we will, of course, be back at the same time next Thursday. I am pretty sure we're going to be talking about the OnePlus Nord CE 5G because that will have launched that same day. Uh, but also, I'm pretty confident we're going to have some apple things to talk about because yeah. it is WWDC next week. Lewis is already horrified. Uh, <laughs> that means we are going to have iOS 15 to talk about. There may even be some hardware announcements. We will find out. It's going to be a big week next week. We're going to have lots going on, so make sure you come back and tune in. And as always, like and subscribe if you want to make sure you get that notification when we go live again. Uh, so, yeah, thank you, everyone, and we will see you next week. Bye. Bye, Bye guys.